we have a circle of fans in my hometown and branching out in New Jersey and taking your business idea of whatever it is you're going to do in music and having a central zone, I feel is really key because it keeps you close to your home base. It gives you a fan base where you live and it, you don't have to travel so much where if I marketed my band nationally, I would be traveling all over and I wouldn't have the home life that I have where I've created the fan base around here enough to sustain me. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and I am so glad you tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And speaking of growing your business, I am so excited to let you know that my other podcast, the Women of Substance Music Podcast, where I play music by independent female artists, just hit our 500th episode. I can't believe it. It has been since uh, November 2014, since I started that show. And of course, we started our radio station online back in 2007. But um, this podcast, well, since it took, it really took off back in 2014 when we started it, and it has just become one of the best places to hear independent female artists online. So if you haven't checked out Women of Substance, go check it out on iTunes, look up Women of Substance, or you can go straight to our page, which is wospodcast.com and check out all the different episodes. We've got show notes. We've got ways to connect with the artists that are on the show, including to purchase their music. So they would really appreciate your support. And I know you're going to discover some music you've never heard before, and you are so glad that you discovered on the show. And speaking of female artists, we recently opened up our Female Musician Academy to monthly members, and it's been so exciting to see all the new women in the group. So if you're interested in coming on in to the Female Musician Academy, we're going to be closing in a couple of weeks for the rest of 2016 and not letting in new members. So if you want to jump in, just go to femalemusicianacademy.com, or you can go to this podcast website, femmusician.com, and click on training at the top, and you can find the Female Musician Academy. On today's episode, I am interviewing a very hardworking musician. She really is very well-rounded. She really employs what I talk about a lot with streams of income, where she's got income coming in from all different directions to make her income as a full-time musician. And she's actually been supporting her family on this income. So this is a true example of a female musician who's not just making music, but making a living, which is what we use as our tagline here at femmusician.com. So without further discussion, let me introduce you to April Kelly. 
Singing and writing music and amassing hundreds of songs in her library, April Kelly is at home in her studio and comes out to perform 150 dates with her 10-piece band every year, performing close to her home in New Jersey. April's songs have been nominated for several awards, and she was just signed to Catch the Moon Music, an agency run by Kathy Heller of Six Figure Songwriting, who I interviewed in episode number 61. Here's my interview with April Kelly. So that's a little bit about April Kelly. So April, is there anything that's not in that short little bio? I know we don't have a lot of time in there to explain you as a person. So is there anything that you want to let our listeners know that's a little bit different or interesting about you? Um, There's nothing really different about me. I'm just a musician that loves to write music. I spend a lot of time in what I call the cave, which is my studio. And that's probably not in my bio. (laughs) That's about it. So how did you get started in music? I think I was always a musician from when I was born. My mother was a rockette and she oh, had, cool. yeah, and she had a dancing school. So I was dancing from when I was three years old. And when you dance, you dance to the music and I would always sing along. And then uh, I was about nine years old and Annie was very, very popular. might've been 12 years old. And Annie was really popular at the time. And we did a dance to Annie and I started singing and I loved it. And then there was a talent show in Pennsylvania where my grandparents had a house. And I called my mother and I said, I would love to be in this talent show. She said, I'll bring your tap shoes and your ballet shoes. I said, no, mommy, I'm going to sing. And she said, Mm. sing? You can sing? I (laughs) said, I'm gonna. I would really love to. And I won. I won the contests and it was just a little park in Pennsylvania. It was no big deal, but it really gave me the feeling that this is what I wanted to do. And I never looked back. That is all I've done. I've had little jobs here and there as I was growing up, trying to be a regular human. And I just always reverted back to my passion, which was music. Just love it. And I somehow found a way to make a living doing exactly what I love. So it's been a good decision. That's, that's the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you can't ask for more than that. No, right? not at all. Very happy. I, I have to say, I went to New York a couple of years ago and I, I, my 12 year old daughter, I think she was 11 or 12 at the time. And I got my first experience at Radio City and I was just like, this theater is awesome. Like I'd never been inside and it was just a really cool experience to go to the very top and an experience like seeing the whole thing. Did you, did you get to, you know, go to the shows there? I've been to New York quite a bit when I was younger. I also did some off-Broadway plays as well, some off-Broadway musicals. So I've been to New York a lot when I was younger, but as I get older, I live about two hours away from New York now. I haven't been there in a little in a little while. I'm so in my cave so often. It's really hard to get me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's I, I think that's a little bit good. I've been talking to my students recently about, you know, when you do gigs in New York, sometimes it's just so hard because there's so much competition there mm-hmm. and there's a lot of great venues, but everybody's playing in New York. Whereas if you can find kind of your your little niche in your own community, that's so much better and go to the communities that don't have a lot of live music. That's very true. And that's exactly what my philosophy was when I started my business. I have a a 10 piece band and we specialize in special events and private events. 
And we have a circle of fans in my hometown and branching out in New Jersey and taking your business idea of whatever it is you're going to do in music and having a central zone, I feel is really key because it keeps you close to your home base. It gives you a fan base where you live and it, you don't have to travel so much where if I marketed my band nationally, I would be traveling all over and I wouldn't have the home life that I have where I've created the fan base around here enough to sustain me and work enough uh, has been good. So I don't go to New York so much. I did an earlier in my career, which was probably smart, but, uh, just focused on keeping my career in a centrally located zone so that I could, uh, keep working. It's really worked for me. I would suggest that's, that for anyone. That's awesome. And for, mm-hmm. I think if I'm remembering right, you have kids. I have so two daughters. Not wanting to travel, travel, travel all the time, I'm sure is a big deal. Brie, as a woman, as a musician, as a mom, it's really tough to juggle all of this. So a lot of the keys is, you know, being able to stay close to home, being able to stay, you know, be able to be available for your children and create a schedule and a work life where you can still be mom and still be musician. It is very doable. Um, yes, it's very busy. And when you're self-employed, you have to hustle a little bit harder, you know, that one notch uh, harder than the rest to really keep yourself sustained. But it is very doable. I know for your listeners and any woman that is a musician, it really is very doable. You just have to focus and make good decisions as you go. Well, yeah, I mean, that's I always talk to people about how being a full time musician is like kind of cobbling together a bunch of different income streams. And I know you do that. I'd love to hear kind of how your, your income is made up. I know you do home studio stuff and Mm -hmm. you got obviously all these events, but are you doing anything else? And how does that kind of all work together? Anything music I'm, I'm good with. So there's so many different things that I've done as a collection. Like you said, when you are a full-time musician, you really do collect a few different things that you do to create the masterpiece of how you're going to sustain (laughs) your life. So with me, I have a studio, I have a great small home studio, I record all of my albums here. I also have a satellite studio in uh, Rockland County, New York, where I work with the producer, John Corsiari, and we do our records that way. Um, Then in my studio, I also offer to local artists um, assistance and getting their demos recorded. I have some artists that are doing shows. They'll come to me first and say, hey, how do I stand? How does does the song sound? And we'll, um, it's like artist development. The people that are in my area can come to me and I will help them be completely prepared to record or prepare to get out on stage um, or prepare to write music, whatever that is involved. So that's been wonderful and fulfilling. Um, I also do a lot of demo work. People can send me songs and they need a singer on it. I do that. And then, of course, I have my band and then live music shows, whatever that may be. Uh, as you know, it could be anything from a house party to doing a concert. Uh, in support of my album. So all of that together, along with my band, I started my band a very long time ago. I've been really fortunate. This has been one of the keys to me is it's been a big part of my income. Uh, When you have a band and you're doing cover songs as well as originals, it definitely gives you the ability to book yourself in more places. Unfortunately, original music is very limiting at times when you want to go to some of the bigger places. Whereas if you have cover tunes, they're, oh, there's something familiar and it's easier to book the band. So that has been uh, very good for me as well. Now, are you able to kind of funnel your fans from those, you know, kind of corporate or, or big event 
kind of things where they need to be pretty much all covers? Are you able to kind of get people on your mailing list and funnel them into your original gigs? Yes, it does go hand in hand as when I market the band and we go out and do shows, um, people get to know who I am. And a lot of people say, hey, do you have a record? You should be recording. What else do you do? And uh, the word gets out that way. And it's really been great because sometimes with cover tunes, you almost can show off your voice in a way that you can't with one or two originals. Um, so you can do so many things. When I do my show with the band, I may sing for four hours and people can hear all of these things that I can do and then say, wow, I really want to hear the original. So it almost creates a level of intrigue that's really worked for me as well. And then I can take that list of people that have seen my band and invite them to my original shows, tell them that a record has come out. Um, I've also had clients, band clients that have had their children or cousins come to me for artist development too. So I think once you're a musician and you're in it full time, it all goes hand in hand. Like one can't go without the other. It's the collection of all of those things that really ends up working. Oh, so many important things that you just said. First of all, I think that that strategy, I mean, I know that it works and I recommend it to my students of, you know, if you can kind of get over yourself and be okay with doing covers, because I know some people have a real hard time with that, mm -hmm. but covers, you know, like you said, they really can show off your voice in a different way. Yep. And if you can, if you could do that, you're going to make a lot more money with the gigs yes. and then you can do the gigs that you aren't going to make a lot of money with because, and you can move those fans kind of along to your original stuff. But I know for me, like when I, when I'm willing to do Broadway tunes, cause I do, I'm more of like a inspirational pop kind of singer, mm -hmm. but when I do Broadway and classical and they're, and they're songs that people know, then they get like, it, it perks their ears up and then they want to hear my originals exactly. too, but they love to hear that stuff that they, you know, they grew up with and, and you know, that they want to sing along with even. Yes. I agree with you on that. It does create a level of intrigue that, oh, she can sing. Oh, she's good. What else does she have? And, uh, I feel that that has worked. Uh, and I'm sure it works for a lot of people The and I don't really feel people should, um, you know, really buck the whole uh, cover tune thing because somebody had said this to me a while back. Everybody that has this cover tune was once a local artist. So we should support them when they're local artists or when they're big artists. It doesn't matter. It's music. We're all in this huge music boat together. Um, and us as original music writers would love somebody to cover our tunes. So we can't not want somebody to do that and not want to do that for someone else. I think that's so true. I mean, we're just really honoring the writer of that song by performing it. Absolutely. And I do feel it's an honor at times. Sometimes I'll go and I'll sing. I'll say, oh, this song is so much fun to sing. This is, I get to pick the song and sing the song tonight. Isn't that amazing feeling? Um, you're never, as a musician, there's so many things you can do. Don't put yourself in a box to only do one thing. It will limit your heart and it will limit your life and limit your career. Being open-minded mm. to all kinds of music and all kinds of avenues for exposure is terrific. One thing I think to keep in mind with all of this though is the authenticity of what you're doing because that's one thing I do stick with. I don't um, do things that are against my grain. Like if it doesn't feel right, I won't do it. And that has made things better too, because I think as a woman, a mother, and we're pleasers and we want to make everybody happy. It, in the past, 
you would take on this and take on this gig and take on this charity and take on this show. And maybe that's not the best idea. So throwing yourself around too much can actually work against you as well. So I don't want people to get the idea of take every gig, do everything, because not every single thing will make sense. You just have to make decisions and have a broad, a broad scope mind to say, if I do this, what, what does this mean for me? And let me give you, yeah, I mean, I, I, oh, I was just gonna say, I always tell my students, like, you need to have a vision for where you want to go. Like if you, if you take everything, some of those things are going to be against your vision and they're just going to slow you down. So know exactly where you're going before you take on anything. Yes. Know what your goal is, know what you want to do and then take those steps to do it and truly take those steps to do it. When I started my band years ago, it was so hard to do. It was extremely Mm. difficult to take 10 musicians, put them together and say, I have no work right now, but stick with it. And in nine months or so, we are going to have a full calendar. It's a matter of believing in something so much. You have to really and truly believe in it. And then people will believe in it too, because you do. So that's why I say stay authentic, because if I had started this band and I didn't have my heart into it, it never would have happened. It was too much work. People think music is easy. It It is. And it comes organically. And there's the song and there's the ability to sing it. But the work behind it of making sure that the band is right and the sets are right and that you have the booking and the contracts and you have the proper musicians and everybody's going to show up on time. That's the work. That's what needs to be done. If you can really nail the ability to be organized and take care of the business end, the music becomes so much easier. Oh yeah. That's huge. And I'm wondering with a 10 piece band, like how much turnover do you have? I have been so lucky, Brie. I have original members of my band. I won't even tell you the year I started my band. (laughs) (laughs) We've been together a really long time. Um, my male vocalist is with me 18 years. My (gasps) keyboard player is with me 18 years. Um, these guys have been so wonderful. We, I believe in what I do. And when I started the band, this was my philosophy. I didn't just want great musicians. I wanted great people that were great musicians. And I knew that if I had a collective energy and a collective group of people that cared, like I did, that the band would be a success, that everything else would come easy. But I knew that if I picked musicians that were like, oh, is this over? Looking at a clock, really, you know, not into it, that was going to affect the whole energy of my project. So that's how I picked my musicians. And because I did that and I interviewed people said, do you love this? What is it that you love about it? Why do you want to do this? How do you want to do this? What is your vision for coming into my band? Well, all of a sudden I had 10 band members that cared, wanted to do it, wanted it to succeed, wanted to be a part of it. Now the rest was easy. I didn't have to worry about anybody being late. I didn't have to worry about anybody doing the homework. I knew they cared. I knew they were those kinds of people. Now all we had to do was go and make great music and it, and it worked. And with any business, it takes time for it to build, you know, the first year, maybe we had five gigs and the next year we had 10 gigs and it takes time and everybody had to be patient and everybody had to look at the big picture, the vision, you had to stick with the vision. And I would say it took about 10 years to turn a lucrative profit. And I ended up supporting a family of four. I was, I was married at the time. My husband quit his job and that is all we did. Wow. It was a matter of vision, Brie. And that, and I know you've talked to so many people. It is the passion. It's the vision. 
you have to be able to get there. We all want to have music life. We all want to record. We want to perform. And so many people have the ability to do that. There's so many talented people on earth. It's such a beautiful thing. I know so many people that are so amazingly talented and can do it. It's clicking that next step and that next piece, which is you got to do the work too. I would never be where I am if I wasn't on the phone every day, working every day, looking for clients, you know, doing new music, being in the studio and all of those things. That is the hardest part. And one more thing I'll say to add to that is when I go and do the gigs, I always laugh and say to the people that are there when they see me pushing the equipment in, I do the gig for free. It's the loading in the equipment and loading out of the equipment. That's the hard part. And that's like the (laughs) metaphor for all of it. It's easy to sing. It's getting yourself to the gig, booking the gig. And then after the gig, how you're going to market it. That's the hard part. That's the focus. That's what's going to make the success. That's what will make or break you. That's a good point. I mean, it's true. Like when you're on stage, that it is the fun part. And, and I think a lot of us would do that for free if someone just came along and took care of the other stuff. But since no one's going to do that, then I need to get paid, right? That makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, for a number of years, I thought it'd be so wonderful uh, when I was in high school. Oh, wouldn't it be so wonderful if somebody just takes my whole career over and tells me where to go. And all I need to do is have sit in a chair and somebody's going to do my makeup and make me look pretty and I'm going to sing. Well, you know, we realized very quickly that's completely unrealistic. You know, and you really do have to work for it. And when you want it and you work for it and it happens, it's that much more fulfilling because you did it. Well, and so many people want that, but once, if they actually got that and some of them do, they don't love it because they have no control over what they become. If someone is making you and making your career, then you don't get to say, yes, I don't want to do these songs. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to perform. I have been there and I don't know how much time we have in this call, but I'll keep this part really brief (laughs) is that, um, years ago, freestyle dance music was really popular and I had a hit. I was on, on billboard magazine. It was a worldwide dance record and I had a lot of success with this and I toured all over and I did not have my heart in it, Brie. I had the album cover photo was picked for me, what I sang, what I wore, where I went, what I did. Every song I sang was dictated to me. And I I realized that was really tough for me because it was so unauthentic. The outfits they wanted me to wear were so against my heart and against where I was raised, you know, and it was really tough for me. And people said, geez, April, you know, why are you unhappy? Um, And I was young at the time, but I just wanted a record and I just wanted to do it. So I signed it and I wanted this offer and this was great. And I just, I jumped at my first chance. I jumped at the first opportunity that was given to me. And it was not a mistake because nothing is a mistake. All of the dominoes fall as they will. But if I really looked back and I thought about it, it was so unauthentic to what I wanted. It was so unauthentic to the vision of what I wanted to create, of the songs I wanted to sing and who I was. So I dropped out. I dropped out of my record contract and I never looked back and I never got one again. I never tried. I just wanted to do it independently ever since. And to me, it was the smartest move I made because now when I put a record out, it's a cover I believe in. It's something that I, that feels like it's me, but it's me that's out there where that record wasn't even me. I picked nothing of it. There was nothing of that. That was April. It was 
Yeah. I hope everybody here is listening to this because that is one of the main objectives I had with creating this show. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want people to go through that. And like you said, it's not a mistake and we all learn from our mistakes and that's good. But if you can like not have to go through that by listening to these stories, I mean, like my episode about Tina Harris, if you heard that one, same similar situation, Mm -hmm. but hers was even worse because she was stuck in a contract that she couldn't get out of. At least you were able to exit and start your own thing. I was because the time had, 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 come and gone on the contract. I was with it for five years. Um, it's a tough thing. And also I know Michelle Lockie, I'd like to talk out about her for a second because she's been so amazing for me, but I know that people have talked about, you know, when you are in these record contracts, you're signing away your masters. You don't have the rights to your own music any longer. And that's the second piece of that, that people really should know is that when you have a record deal, you don't own the masters. It's a very few. I mean, Brie, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that anybody gets a record contract where you get to keep your masters or even own part of it. I'm sure if you're someone like Taylor Swift, you can probably negotiate right. so, it if switching companies, but that's right. about so it. You go and you record this record and then you have the record company release it or whatever. And then when your contract's over, you can't take those songs back and have them ever again. So you really need to know what you're doing with a record contract um, and know that that's what you want. And today's day and age, I know you've talked about it. Michelle has talked about it. I know Kathy Heller has talked about it. You really don't need to go that route. There are so many other ways to do it. Mm, This is like a perfect timing, too, because I've got Michelle on the show and I've got Kathy on the show, like right around this interview. So everyone should refer back to those episodes, too, because I know that April really respects them and she's learned a ton from them. I'll tell you this. I'll start. I will say this about Michelle Lockie's course. Now, I met Michelle through you. I met you first. You were the one of the first dominoes of this whole branch, a new path of my tree and life. You were the originator, Brie. And I love to be a domino. It's awesome. So wonderful. And it really was (laughs) because I kept hearing of you and I watched your your, um, webinars and listening to your radio show. And then I heard about Michelle and I took Michelle's course and it changed my life. I have to say, uh, I don't remember how much Michelle's course was, three, four hundred dollars, but it was worth every penny. And it was the best money I ever spent in my whole entire career, which is mind blowing because I never knew I was going to gain so much information from that course. It truly was amazing. If you want to get into music, film, uh, um, film, music for film and TV and ads, you have to take Michelle's class because it covers everything from how to, what to do when you have the music, where to get, you know, where to send it. And Michelle's amazing, as you know. So wonderful and warm and responsive. If you have any questions, she's always available. Uh, That really, truly was a really big key for this path that I'm on. Yeah, let me interject. I mean, if you listeners want to hear from Michelle directly, like listen to episode uh, number 60, I believe it is. She she not only talks about music licensing, but she talks about some really interesting life experiences that she's had and, and, you know, confidence issues and how she, she got over those. And so go check out that episode because I know that you will, you'll really be amazed at what she's gone through to get where she is today. Yeah. And so, and I know that's why April respects her. I do for so many reasons. She's very smart. She's very warm and she's just a genuinely wonderful person. And the way that she explains everything 
you know, asks, you can ask her any question. She's going to help you through it. Who does that? It's just 2016. <laughs> Everybody's too busy for you. Nobody has time for you. So when you have somebody like you and Michelle and Kathy and these people that are sitting there on the other end saying, how can I help you? Here's what you need to do to get from A to B. Why aren't we all listening? It has been amazing. I've I listened to A, B, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And C worked. And then C and D led me to E. Now that worked too. And what these ladies are saying, what Michelle's saying, what Kathy's saying, what you're saying is 100% true. I am a living example that these steps really do work. Well, and what is so cool about 2016 is that we can get on live on a Zoom call or a Hangouts call or whatever and see each other face to face and have these conversations and hash these things out and ask questions. And I mean, that is just the coolest thing about what I am able to do in this day and age that couldn't have happened 10 years exactly. ago. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Well, on the subject of the music licensing that you're you're doing and you're working on in your studio, I'm curious what you would tell listeners if they want to start kind of their own little cave, their own little home mm-hmm. studio. What what does it really take to get started these days? I have my own little studio, but I've bought this equipment like years ago and it still works. So I'm curious what you think it would cost and and what kind of education you need to start recording your own stuff in your own little cave at home. Well, in the, in the words of Kathy Heller, be very resourceful because it's a lot to manage and to understand as far as the equipment. So I had uh, one of the producers I work with, John, he has a Pro Tools studio, a full-fledged studio in New York, and I had him help me put my system together. I don't advise somebody to just go to the store and say, hey, I need a recording studio. Can you help me? I think the best thing would be to be resourceful, get in contact with somebody that has one. And even if you pay them $100 or so to help you hook up your studio, that would be the move because then that person can help you walk through any troubleshooting issues that you have and you're not in the dark. That is the one thing I would definitely suggest. So with my particular case, uh, John helped me buy everything, helped me set it up. I have a system similar to his. So if I have any issues, I can call and say, Hey, this is the problem I'm having. And then that's the way that I can get through it because I'm not a trained audio engineer. I have no knowledge whatsoever. But it is not that difficult to learn. If I can learn it, I believe anyone can learn it. So definitely stick with it if you feel that it's in your wheelhouse and you want to be able to make demos in your house. I will say this. Being able to record in my house is the most important thing for my whole entire career. I at 2 o'clock in the morning can get an idea and record it. 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I don't have to book a studio, wait till there's time, wait till there's availability, pay a whole bunch of money per hour, do not need to do that. So I'm able to be creative right then and there. So I would suggest for every musician, every writer, you must have some way to record your songs, your idea, a work tape in your home. Key number one, like I would put that on the needs, like it's not a want, it's a need. You need to have that. I I totally agree. And I have kind of a funny story about that. So like the first homemade album that I recorded was when I was pregnant with my first daughter and she would get chronic hiccups. (laughs) And so she'd wake me up in the middle of the night, like every single night. So I would get up and go in the other room and I'd record 
like in the middle of the night. And I did some of my best singing, yes. number one, which is crazy at two in the yeah. morning. But I, and I would get these ideas for songs and I'd be in there, you know, working for a few hours and then she'd stop hiccuping and I'd go back <laughs> to sleep and, you know, and it was, it was just so, it's such a great thing to be able to just go in there and do it when I had free time, yes. which was not planned, but you know, it, it works. And then when I did my second album and I did it in a studio, it was such a different experience because I'm like, okay, I have to be on today because yes. this is my studio yes. day, you know? Exactly. And I don't have that pressure and I love it. And then when I have to go to studio, I'm like, oh God, I can sing two o'clock Wednesday. <laughs> and I've, you know, put these little pieces in my life to make things a little easier here and there, you know, being a mom, full-time musician and all of these things. So having this studio to me has been so huge because here I have a recording project and have to get it done. And last night I sang all day. I was really tired. It was about 10 o'clock, 1030. And I said, tonight's just not going to be the night to record this. Well, I had the ability to cancel my own session in my own studio in my own house and do it tonight. <laughs> so you, I didn't have the pressure saying, yeah, but these people are waiting for me. I booked the session. So that really is nice. And if you can't do broadcast quality in your house, it's still great because you learn. I learn more from hearing myself back on a recording than I do singing it in my house. Because you hear the nitty gritty and you hear, oh, if I phrase this different, if I over accentuate this um, consonant, it will sound better when I sing it. So you learn so much and you can get so many hours out of the way at home in your studio doing this work so that when you do go to recordings, do you already know what you're going to do? You know how you're going to phrase it, you know, all of the things already. So it's really key. Um, that that's smart. It's like giving yourself your own voice lessons oh, yeah. because you can listen back to yourself and go, Oh no, I don't really like that phrasing, you yeah. know, try it differently. And the key to recording something good is you really have to play around with it. Sometimes, sometimes you can sing a song five different ways. What is the way you're going to sing it? Uh, you want to be specific when you're recording. You want to be emotional. You want to be emphatic. You want people to understand that these words you're singing, you want them to feel. You have to feel it too. So maybe sometimes if you sing the line five different ways, you're going to find that one way that you can really dig in and get that line out. Well, when I'm in my studio, I have the, the leisure of time to really hash that out so that when the time comes to record that song, it's even more professional. It's even more prepared. It's even more ready. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. So do you think it would be, you know, approximately like $2,000 to set up your own home studio? I'm just thinking about the, the equipment that I bought, you know, um, and what you need, obviously you need your software and you need a good, good quality mic and you need, you know, if computer, if you don't have one already, and then like something that allows you to plug everything into the computer. I don't have much, but I think I have a good bang for the buck. I think what I have is Pro Tools 10. Okay. Then I have a, I don't know what this is called. I'm going to go look. It's called an Avalon. It's like a preamp. And mm. I put my vocals through okay. that. I think that's a little bit of my secret sauce. If I could tell the world here, let's see. It's called an Avalon vacuum tube. I run my microphone through that vacuum tube and it warms it up. It fills it up. It's so nice. So I'm able to get a really good top-notch recording, vocal recording in my um, studio here. And that's it. That's all I have. You really don't need much. So however much a computer would be, Pro Tools was a little bit expensive. I don't remember. And that's all you would need. Um, I also have pianos and guitars and amplifiers. And of things course, like you that. need the instruments. Yeah, that's not a necessity. 
You just need something to record. I understand now on the iPads and the iPhones, you can get what they call an iMic and you can plug that microphone right into the, um, the iPad and actually do a recording. I'm not. Yeah, I'm sure you can. I don't know that that would be good enough. Not sure. I don't know that I. I would say probably, you know, from what I know of people that, that do this type of thing besides me, I mean, I use, um, cakewalk sonar just because I've had it forever, but you know, my friend who's an editor, she uses, uh, logic mm-hmm. and, you know, or pro tools. Those are all good, good options. I just want to give the listeners ideas in case they, they want to look into setting something up like this. You don't need much. You need the ability to take a microphone and plug it into your computer somehow and have your voice go onto a recording. It's that simple. How you do that it becomes either simple or complex, you know, from a full fledged studio to simply having some kind of interface to plug the microphone in. I know sometimes the Macs even come with GarageBand. So in that case, right. you buy a Mac, you don't need to buy anything else except plug your microphone into your Mac and GarageBand. So, yeah, I think the most important thing that you said is to get someone to help you in person. Yes. Because you can go to the, you know, you can go to Guitar Center and they can recommend this, this, and this. You have no idea if they're going to work together well. They're going to work with your system. Correct. There might be some weird setting in Windows that's messing everything up. So, you know, get someone to come over, pay them a yep. little bit for their expertise, and and you're going to not waste a million hours yeah, of time. Yeah, it's worth it. And also, I order from a company called Sweetwater. It's sweetwater.com. And what's great about that company is they really cater – they're only music, musicians, musical equipment, studio equipment. Once you have a representative over there, they keep a file. So everything I buy, like, okay, you know what Mac I have? Can you just tell me what interface I would need? And they can help you as well. And then they have really amazing tech support. So that's another avenue for people who don't know anybody, don't have someone to ask. My second suggestion would be sweetwater.com. Call up and have a chat with them about what you want to do. They're really good. I've been working with them for maybe 10 years. Anything I need, I call them. I need a microphone. Mm. What is the best microphone for the system I have? Well, they have records of my system. They know what I already have. And they also have the ability to do the remote where they can take over the mouse on your computer and they can go into your computer and hook things up. I don't know what Okay. That's, that's, I don't know what that's That's called. So I don't have to even touch my computer. I could say my pro tools is giving me a problem. And they go in and they can fix it. And that you get that service with Sweetwater. It's called like desktop remote access. It, yeah, that is that is very cool when they yeah, can Yeah, so if you are a musician and you don't have someone that you can ask, that's what I would do. I would do Sweetwater.com, do the remote desk um, access, and they can walk you through that way. I guess the point really is, Brie, if somebody wants to do this, there is a way. There truly is. Whether it's fi- setting up a studio or being able to market your songs for TV and film, there are ways to do it. And I hope that people that are listening will listen to Michelle as class and Kathy and your, in your academy and really take these things and know and believe that this is possible. It's not a, it's not a pipe dream. It's not a fantasy to be a full-time musician. It really is possible. And I know people may be sitting at their desks, not enjoying life and saying, how do I do this? How do I do this? The best thing would be make a, a vision and then backtrack the steps to get you there. Cause it is possible. And also asking people in your Academy and, and any of us on Facebook, we're more than happy to uh, help or, you know, reach out. Yeah. In fact, if you uh, join the women of substance free group on Facebook, there's tons of people in there that you can ask if you just go to WOScommunity.com, And I can't remember April, if you're in there or not, but um, there's over a thousand people in there right now that are all musicians wanting, you know, working, doing what, what you guys mm-hmm. are doing. So yes, 
that's, that's a great place to go. And as it well. really is being resourceful. I've learned that word from Kathy Heller because she uses it so often. And it really is a, a, a great word for a musician. You must be resourceful. You have to find a way to get everything done. We can't be everything. We can't be singer, songwriter, music producer, marketer, PR, you know, limousine driver. <laughs> you just can't be everything. You do need to resource and find people that you can bring into your team. Find somebody that you trust, know, love, that has the same feelings or the same passion as you do and work with that person. Collectively, it's so much better. That is so awesome. Well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for all your insight. Can you let our listeners know how they can find you online? Sure. It's aprilkellymusic.com. You can find me there. If anybody has any questions, please feel free to message me. Very happy to help. And that's it. And I'll be floating around doing the, doing this and that. I just had really terrific news, Brie, that I was signed as an exclusive artist with Catch the Moon Music last week. That's Kathy's company. That's great. So this has been amazing to really be where I want to be with an amazing company that I have so much trust in. They're so wonderful. They're such hardworking, smart, and authentic and genuine people. Thrilled to be working with them. So again, you know, these steps in this last year, when we first spoke about a year ago to Michelle's class, to Kathy's class, to say to everybody listening, do this. If you want to do this, do this. Just follow it and don't stop and keep going and you will get there. Oh, great. That is just a fantastic ending to the show. Thank you so much for you know, sharing all your wisdom with everybody and showing yourself as a real person and the journey that you've been through. And, and and boy, I didn't even know about this exciting news about Kathy's uh, company. So that is, you're one of the first people I'm telling it's very new. Ah, That's cool. Just just signed the contract this week. So it's so incredibly exciting to see things happening. So if you, you know, Brie, stay in touch with me. And like I said, if anybody has any questions, feel free to ask. It's wonderful and amazing to be a part of a community of women who are helping each other. It's such a beautiful thing. It's a movement. It's this huge movement. Let's all come together and help each other. So if you have any questions, let me know. I'm happy to, uh, to, for you to reach out to me. And the same thing with you, Brie. Thank you for asking me to be on this call today. It was really nice. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Enjoy this track from April Kelly called Flow.
Very many.